I think we first met in person at your new office, right? Yep. So you just got an office uh, over on Union Street back, what was that, a month or two ago? Yeah, I guess when we locked it down, starting in March. So we're coming up on almost two months there, Uh which has been really fun. And you had, um, is the company's been going for a little longer than that? or? Yeah, so basically I left Cash App in October and started going off doing doing this stuff and Mm -hmm. uh, officially incorporated the company in January, raised some money. Mm-hmm. And I've just been going since then. Nice. And what was like the, I guess I, I'd actually like to hear it, back it up a little bit. So you were at Cash App for how long, for a while? Yeah, I was at Cash App about two and a half years. Okay. And did did you, were you into Bitcoin stuff before then? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, my Bitcoin story goes back to probably 20, eh, 2016 is when I first got curious. Someone... Mm-hmm. Someone told me that um, I asked a respected mentor of mine what he thought of Bitcoin. He said, well, I don't know about Bitcoin, but there's definitely something with blockchain technology. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, OK, that story. But at the time, I didn't know. So I bought like, you know, 20 bucks of Bitcoin, yeah, yeah. started following it. And then in 2017, got more interested into it as it got more popular, um, kind of got sucked into all of crypto, you know, yeah. ICO tokens and everything, trying to. You know, thinking just I was totally lost, just didn't know what I was what, doing. What were you were you like looking at charts or meeting teams or I was just like going on putting my own money, like trying to buy these <laughs> like tokens, you know, like mm-hmm. I was it was you know, I just thought that I, I was very misguided. I would say I didn't have like a lot of the people I sort of follow now and listen to now, I just never even heard of them because I was just coming, you know, at the time I was playing baseball, um, Oh, you were still in baseball at that point. Yes, that's right. So oh, I was wow. in the minor okay. leagues with the Cardinals. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, just it, that was my last, 2017 was my last of four seasons playing pro baseball with them. Oh, wow. Um, Wait a minute. So I th- there's there's actually so much to the story. Gotta, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we can. We got to back it up even further. So you're playing with the Cardinals. So are, we can go back to college. Okay, let's go back to college. So, so back in college, I studied computer science and played baseball. Okay, both like very super hardcore at each. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. And you um, kind of thought you were going to do baseball. Like, what what was the thinking? Yeah, I wanted to make it in baseball. I wanted to do that and try to be an all star, superstar mm-hmm. baseball player, and um, had the opportunity to start going down that path after uh-huh. college. Where I don't know if you're familiar with the minor league system in baseball. Just but a little bit. You get drafted onto a team. So I got drafted by the Cardinals. And then you go, you have to make it through their levels of minor leagues. Uh-huh. So, you know, they put me out in State College, Pennsylvania in the rookie league. Mm-hmm. And then the next year was Peoria, Illinois, first like low yeah. single A. And then Jupiter, Florida for oh, wow. the next level. And then Springfield, Missouri. So you're going kind of these random towns. That get better and better as you mm-hmm. progress. <laughs> um, and yeah, I made it about four years doing that, but ultimately just didn't quite have the numbers or the stats to become, make a career out of it. I'm just trying to make sure we get this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, are we going? Are we going? <laughs> yeah, good. Um, so that takes us to like 2017 when... And you're studying computer science and are you, are you hacking on stuff or like, I guess baseball must be a full-time career, Baseball right? became full-time after college. So mm-hmm. I wasn't doing any coding or computer science or anything. Mm-hmm. I just was totally, it was, it was full-time baseball. Um, the brain took a little bit of a, you know, 
took the, got a little rusty, uh-huh. I would say, <laughs> <laughs> but um, had a great time just focusing on baseball. Right. But then the you know 2017 came around and you know Bitcoin and crypto became pretty mainstream, and I yeah. had already been following it a little, so that's when it started pulling me my interest in, mm-hmm. um, and was fun to do that. But then I ultimately got cut from um, the Cardinals in the end of the 2017 season. Mm-hmm. So, and how does that work? Is that based on some stats or you kind of knew it was coming or you kind of know it's coming. I mean, in that last season towards the second half, you know, I wasn't playing every day. My stats clearly weren't there. You could see they were giving opportunities to the younger, more promising players. Mm-hmm. So you kind of know it's coming. And, um, it was kind of nice, honestly, cause it, was like, okay, it's time to move on. You know, baseball was always a part of my life, but um, doing it full time, it was missing out on all this other cool stuff. Right. So it was very tunnel vision at the time, but now there's a lot a lot more fun stuff out in the world. So Right. But to do like computer science at, you know, a fairly, I'd, I'd say a fairly high level now coming after doing, you know, sports and not doing any of your CS background, was it? Was it a rusty thing you had to kind of ramp back up on? Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> it literally felt like grinding the gears of a rusty bike, <laughs> trying to get back like programming and doing analytical thinking. Right. Um, but there was, you know, I had many years of like base, um, even back in a couple of years in high school of doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it came back after not too long and I was able to dive in and start trying to build stuff. Um, were you building stuff around Bitcoin at that time or you were following the Bitcoin stuff and all the different tokens, but doing other projects? So I was following the Bitcoin stuff and like trying to make money, just like buying, basically trying to convince my family and friends that like Bitcoin's the future. And it's, you know, I was, I was totally Bitcoin pilled in uh-huh. 2017 cause I learned about the federal reserve and how that stuff works. And I was just like, okay, Bitcoin's gonna, this is going to be it. Um, so you had come to that conclusion and you weren't involved in any of the other ICO stuff. Cause a lot of times like people are like, Oh, well, Bitcoin's cool, but you can actually build stuff in these other things. Did yeah. That I just didn't you? know. I mean, I was just like, Oh, that sounds interesting. Maybe I'll buy some of it. And mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't, I had no, no ability to build anything or ability to market or anything. And so I was just a kind of a passive investor i would Got say yeah, which yeah. i think is a funny term because <laughs> bitcoin is money it's not something that should you see as an investment but right. anyway um <laughs> um so yeah but then yeah after baseball then i was like okay let's go and try to learn the programming side and that was like you were gonna reinvent around a career in programming was that what you had in mind? sort of I, yeah i kind of was like okay i'm gonna try to figure out this programming side of bitcoin mm-hmm. and then sort of was uh found some there's a lot of great stuff online textbooks that are free and stuff so learn the programming side tried to build some things uh the first thing i built with bitcoin was this little lottery website um <laughs> is it one i might have heard of or? no you've oh. never heard of it it's it's never caught on but uh-huh. it was a really cool exercise in learning how to just spin up a website and have a you know a wallet that can receive and send uh-huh. programmatically um and ultimately, by the time it came to launch this thing, I was like, oh, yeah, this is illegal, so I can't do this. <laughs> and so I never really launched it, um, right. but gained some valuable experience that then I was able to be like, okay, maybe I'll try to do this professionally mm-hmm. and um, got turned down from like six companies. 
And finally, BitGo uh, oh, yeah. took me on as a as an entry-level engineer, basically. Mm-hmm. And was that because you'd already kind of understood Bitcoin and that was something that they were focused on? So Yeah. So they're a Bitcoin and crypto company. And the thing I was able to show them the thing I built and they thought it was actually pretty neat, mm-hmm. technically. Um, the lottery thing. Yeah, because oh, it was, oh, yeah. you know, used, you know, a uh, type of managing wallets in a nice way. Uh-huh. And... And it got me in the door there, and ultimately that's where I started doing programming in a professional setting. And mm-hmm. and was it pretty easy to, like, once you got into a professional setting, easy to kind of get your bearings on how to help Bitcoin from a professional set? Because you were both kind of learning. Yeah, not really. It was, it was <laughs> tough. The first thing was just being in an office all day. I was just like, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the commute, I was like, what a, is, this is life now. And I was... I just remember a moment where I was, it was really sad because I was like, uh-huh. but, and then the other thing is just learning how to do things like using Git, you know, mm-hmm. Git, Git and GitHub. And I had just never done that. And so I'm sitting next to uh, uh, Mark Earhart, also known as Merch. He's a very well-known Bitcoiner, very well-respected, super smart. And uh-huh. I'm just bugging him every five <laughs> minutes. Hey, how do you do this like really basic thing? And right. he, he was very patient with me and kind of uh, helped me get my bearings but once i got my bearings there was able to start contributing and worked mm-hmm. on some of like the uh some of the wallet infrastructure there both mm-hmm. the hot wallets and the cold wallets um because bitgo does the wallet software for a lot of these exchanges all over the world mm-hmm. so that was super interesting to get into all that nice and then from there were you um how did, how did you transition from there to cash app was that a pretty direct or obvious step for you so, yeah, I was at BitGo. They're very, um, they supported all the coins, right? And so, was that I, contentious? Because I think there was some split ideology, right? Yeah, the they're company. definitely. I mean, that's a huge thing for any company. They start off in Bitcoin, and then it's sort of like there's this allure to get into mm-hmm. Ethereum, and then the next was Solana, right. whatever the next <laughs> one is, and it becomes this thing where if all of a sudden that becomes part of your business model you can't just stop at one two three now all of a sudden you know justin sun from tron is paying you a million (laughs) dollars to support tron on the platform right and then the next thing is you know craig wright from bsv is going to pay you three million dollars to support bsv and so Mm -hmm. it becomes this just slog on or it's this it's this allure of like getting paid to support these things that you know as there's the sliding scale of people that are doing interesting things and doing things that are not necessary or even to the point of scamming scamming and mm-hmm. the whole spectrum yeah and as a business you can get sucked into being very crypto and supporting everything and as an engineer on that business i was looking at you know the volume was all bitcoin like it was 90 percent bitcoin mm-hmm. but these these um projects would come and they would pay to get listed right so you pay you a lot of money yeah and so it was hard to i think as a business person it's hard to turn that down and so then as an engineer who you know i get tasked with working on like the eos <laughs> indexer and oh, it no. turns out the full node for eos doesn't work like the <laughs> network goes out of sync every 30 minutes and right these, these you have these in that's where I sort of started seeing that a lot of these altcoins just don't have the same quality of engineering that Bitcoin has. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to shift my career back to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And that's where Cash App, they were Bitcoin only. 
obviously they had a fantastic product mm-hmm. inspired by Jack Dorsey. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna try to try to go there. Mm-hmm. And so, did you know some people there from already your kind of being in the ecosystem? Yeah, I knew someone who used to work there and was able to connect with um, Miles Suter mm-hmm. um, through through my other friend Clay Robbins, mm-hmm. and yeah, I was able to just apply and try to get onto their wallet, the Bitcoin wallet team there, and mm-hmm. worked out to to get in the door there. So that's cool. Which was super fun working there. I mean, that place is a great place to work, and just got to work on the Bitcoin wallets there and to be very focused, um, building out. And the cash app is one of the biggest, uh, Bitcoin wallets in the world in terms of volume. So right. got to be right on the front lines, like building that out, which was super fun. Yeah. And it, it feels like square slash block is one of these companies. It's just, it's never going to compromise, right? It's going to be Bitcoin and financial service, you know, traditional financial services and Bitcoin and kind of nothing else. Right. It's yeah. It's incredible to see, um, Jack Dorsey take his stance and just mm-hmm. not, yeah, exactly. Not compromise. And it's hard to do that because even internally the whole time there are people that say, Oh, why aren't we doing NFTs? You know, mm-hmm. when Ethereum NFTs were be po- becoming popular, why aren't mm-hmm. we doing this? And Jack's just very mission driven. And it, it makes a difference because you look at a platform like Coinbase and you go on Coinbase, you can't even find Bitcoin. Right. Like you <laughs> see all these other coins and you're like, what is, what is going on here? Right. Um, and that's like the slippery slope of getting into, of losing your mission, I guess. So right. do you follow much of the kind of the current stuff going on with, I don't know, like Coinbase, aren't they moving offshore or something or they're. Yeah, it seems I, I'm not. I'm sort of seeing that where it just. It sounds like, I mean, the regulatory environment is. It's just difficult because there's not the clarity for all the stuff they're trying to do, and so I I get it why they're moving away and. Yeah, it's. It's, regulation is just a slog, uh-huh. you know. But it's a it's a slog that for I guess a business like like square block it's a slog that's worthwhile right you you go through the regulation you get the licenses you need and you're not going to get slapped with something out of left field right i mean maybe who knows <laughs> that's what we're you know if if the government comes out and says you know make some egregious law about self-custody or bitcoin like mm. block has to comply right you know kraken right. has to comply mm-hmm. um so hopefully it doesn't get to that. Is there something like that on the table right now, or you're just saying like in some dystopian future that could happen? More of some dystopian future, okay. but I don't think it's too unrealistic. I mean, there's already been stuff with things like the travel rule. Um, I don't know if you're what's the travel rule. The travel rule is something where there's an existing rule, financial rule, where if you're sending, if you're an institution like holding money for someone, and you're sending it to another institution you need to tell that other institution information about the person who you're sending uh, the money for. And you need to know like- So the from, the person, you're like KYC and you need to tell- There's something about that where you exchange, and and it's, I'm not an expert on this, but it's something where you have to give up the the info of your users and then figure out where it's going. And it's almost kind of impossible to comply with. In for for Bitcoin and stuff because if you're just sending to an address like you don't know what that address is right um, and you're supposed to know somehow hmm. and so I think 
luckily it seems like there there are a lot of good folks doing good lobbying for bitcoin mm-hmm. um who, who are the main kind of entities that do that i think there's uh coin center or something mm-hmm. um and it's been cool to see i don't know if it was last year there was some bill that there was you know two sentences about something about bitcoin mining or bitcoin nodes and it held up the whole bill for like two weeks or something which was kind of cool to see because it actually shows that you know people the bitcoin people have some weight that mm-hmm. they can throw around in politics yeah it seems uh, like it's getting to be maybe a bit more so i mean i don't know I, I i don't consider myself an expert at you know politics and the agendas of everybody but it seems like i'm hearing more people talking about it and sort of let's say you know being pro bitcoin while having kind of a you know major political office i don't know why that that is if that's something that is uh, you know, there's there's already support, or there's somebody who's supporting them, or kind of helping them, kind of understand or educating them about how it can be helpful. But it feels like there's a little bit of positivity, at least. I think there is. I think because it's pop, it's popular among people. Mm-hmm. I think you have Congress people who are holders of Bitcoin, yep. <laughs> or their families are, and stuff like that. And so it's slowly infiltrating. I think the mine and as also the younger generations coming up and we're more accepting of technology, I guess. And so I'm, I'm optimistic that the regulatory environment won't get too crazy, but mm-hmm. I think the U S government is in a tough spot in terms of they have a lot to lose with the position of the dollar. Mm-hmm. And historically that doesn't, Historically, that means that they're going to try to enact some type of financial repression, mm-hmm. which would involve trying to trying to harm, you know, outflows into Bitcoin. Right. So. So kind of the choke point stuff that people are talking about. Exactly. But but so far, it seems like the I don't know. At least my read on it is, everybody seems to agree that Bitcoin is a commodity and not a security. And so, any of the choke point stuff that I've heard at least seems to be mostly focused on things that are you know, have not yet been decided that they're securities or not? Uh, Possibly. The thing I worry about with Bitcoin is if they come out with some law with somehow saying you you can't have Mm self-custody. You need to hold your coins like with a regulated entity, Mm -hmm. which would just be absurd. Like that's total violation of free speech. Right. Um. So if they, I think if they try to fight that war on, on custody, that could get pretty interesting. Right. I think we're gonna win, but <laughs> it'll be right. It'll be interesting. And so inconvenient, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, probably a lot of thrashing, but <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, I mean, I I think there's a lot of people who value. I mean, the whole spirit of the U.S. and America was kind of founded on that kind of freedom. So hopefully, there's enough people who will harken back and remember kind of the reason we're all here. I think so. Yeah, I think it, it really comes down to freedom of speech. And ultimately, I think money is speech, mm-hmm. code is speech. And that's the First Amendment. So now I don't. Yeah. So hopefully we can rally behind that and, yep. you know, have some freedom. <laughs> so so I want to kind of continue on with your career, because I think so you were at Cash App, you worked on Cash App for a while. And then I'd heard I think Max was saying that you are, are you one of the largest lightning routers today? Yeah. So our node, um, is one of the bigger lightning nodes. Mm-hmm. 
tons of connections, routes a lot of payments. Um, and so can you talk me through how did you come to be in that state? Yeah, so um, just as a hobby, I started putting my own coins onto this node. And what that involves is you get a server running, you can run it at home or you can run it in the cloud. You download uh, one of the Lightning Node implementations and you just put your coins on your node. You start opening channels with other node runners. Um, you set fees and then you get paid to route payments and then you try to convince people to connect with you. You connect to more people. Keep You can, and as many coins as you're comfortable putting on this machine, mm-hmm. you can um, get more and more connections and be a quality service provider for Lightning. And are you, is this just like a, you don't need a particularly beefy machine or you, you have a lot of inflows and outflows, these connections, you need like super serious network card or how? The machine, it's not that crazy. I mean, you want, like some people are able to run a good node on a nice uh, Lenovo ThinkPad. Hmm. Like that itself can be a solid node. Um, so computationally, it's pretty Computationally, it's, it's not that bad. But like network, I guess having a bunch of connections, is, are you talking like hundreds or thousands or dozens or... I mean, my node is is really big, and it has thirteen hundred channels. So that's not that many. And is um, each channel like a WebSocket or? Each channel is a, um, it's a bilateral Bitcoin, um, a shared shared Bitcoin allocation with another entity. And so it just exists on the blockchain where you've locked up money with them, mm-hmm. and then you have an open. You can you know each other's. IP address, so then your nodes are always communicating, and every once in a while, when someone wants to try to do a payment, your nodes will ping each other and coordinate these. Okay, so only at the time you're doing the payment. Otherwise, you're just Just agreed upon that locked kind of... Yeah, it's just kind of sitting there, and you're waiting to see if anyone wants to try to route a payment, and if so, you you just need to be online. So you need to be online, and then there's all this network gossip going on to figure out, okay... Um, everyone's always got sending out gossip about the state of the network. Mm-hmm. So you're always listening to that. Right. Um, and it's just like your home internet connection or you have it in a data so, center? So, I mean, I have it in the cloud in, yeah. um, it's, so it's in a data center yeah. and cause you want, you want good uptime, mm-hmm. you want backups. Um, yeah, you want like a static IP address. Yep. You don't, and it's a public thing, you know, you, so you don't really right, want to, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're running on a home node, you want to go through a VPN, so you're not advertising your location. Right. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, and then, so I started just doing this and slowly put um, my own funds on it, got some family members and put put some more funds on it, and um, then started offering services around it. Mm-hmm. So there's different, it's a really interesting um, network in terms of the liquidity, because liquidity on the Lightning Network kind of has a price in the sense that it's valuable to have coins pointed in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of go buy liquidity if you're good at it and you can sell it. And if you sell it for more than you bought it for, you're making a spread. Right. So there's kind of these arbitrage opportunities available. There's also just, if you have a lot of connections, you become more valuable because there's more possible routes that you can service. Mm-hmm. 
And so it's, yeah, it's a super interesting, uh, very complex and emerging network. And, and do you, th- is it kind of changing really quickly? Like day by day, there's a lot more of these nodes of your scale trying to come on and compete for Mindshare. Or it's more like there's a few of these things that are kind of at some amount of scale and you kind of all talk to each other or. It, I would say the latter. It's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's moving, it's gradually evolving, but there's not a ton of change day by day. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of have it, you sort of set it and forget it. More or less. Yeah, so. definitely. You said it, kind of said it and forget it. You kind of know who the other top nodes are. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets all in like a, like a chat group together or something. There's a bunch of Telegram groups. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm familiar with a lot of the other top nodes. We talk mm-hmm. with each other about, about stuff. And yeah, there's, it's, it's super fun. I mean, and there's a great, uh, there's a great, if you were trying to get started on this, there's a great group called Plebnet. Mm-hmm which is a group of hobbyist node runners as well as all the professional ones are in there as well. So hobbyist meaning they're not trying to do it. They're not trying to make spread on it. They're just trying to contribute. Research. Well, they are trying to make spread. Oh, they are. Okay. So it's someone who might have, you know, one or two Bitcoin and it's just, it's harder if you don't have a lot of capital because mm-hmm. there's kind of an exponential, there's sort of a Metcalf's law where your value that you can provide is proportional to the square of the number of your connections. Mm-hmm. So as you can have more size and more channels, you become exponentially more valuable as right. a as a router. So so what are like what are the big guys doing? Like one or two Bitcoin might be a small hobbyist, and then out of the big ones, are they dozens or hundreds of Bitcoin? Or? Um, the biggest node, I w- I would say there's there's probably twenty five twenty five to thirty folks that have. Um, 30 or 30 plus Bitcoin on their nodes. Uh-huh. There's probably three companies that have a hundred plus Bitcoin on their nodes. And then there's probably a thousand or maybe a hundred folks with 10 Bitcoin mm-hmm. and a thousand folks with one Bitcoin, something like that. Mm-hmm. And is everybody using similar software? Cause you mentioned if you can buy and sell and kind of arb the difference there like buy and sell liquidity, is that an algorithm that you wrote that's proprietary to your stuff? Or do you sort of open source it and give it to everybody and sort of made the best node win? Or? So there's a combination. Um, the people generally run LND, which is the basic node implementation, but then everyone's got their own proprietary stuff they use on top of that. Mm-hmm. And, and there are open source scripts. So I use a combination of open source stuff um, that other people have written. And then I've also written a bunch of my own scripts mm-hmm. to do various things that are proprietary. I mean, nothing's that crazy. I've talked about a lot of it where mm-hmm. um, you're essentially, yeah. And then the other thing is you, one of the things that I build is a swap service and a um, selling of channels. So you can make a payment to our node and we'll just open a channel in your direction, which is useful for new merchants or people that are always needing to reliably receive. Mm-hmm. They need somebody to point coins in their direction. So the swap or buying channels is a way you can do that. And then we also have um, more for companies is a lot of companies are lightning only. They don't actually have on- on-chain support. And so they'll use us to help, you know, receive on-chain deposits to their lightning users. All right. 
to just convert it back and forth. There's just some basically some friction between converting between Lightning and on-chain, and we help solve some of that. Right. Sorry. And so is that kind of, you were doing this as a hobbyist. You ended up, did you end up getting to be a pretty big node before you decided you wanted to go in kind of full-time on this and make a company out of it? Yeah. So, you know, I, yeah, I started getting the node going, um, as the node got bigger and I saw there were opportunities for these extension services on top of it is when I was like, okay, I'm going to probably leave and, and do this full-time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's when in October left Cash App and at Cash App I had been working on uh, getting the Lightning, doing the Cash App Lightning nodes. Mm -hmm. um, so we had launched right before I left. We launched Lightning support finally, like send and receive mm -hmm. over Lightning from Cash App, which was great. And um, yeah, since October been going trying to do my own stuff, building building some tools for for node operators. Right. And other stuff as well that we can get into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's what I'm interested to hear because it, it sounds like there's a lot of potential opportunity in kind of this core, you know, run a node, build a bunch of services around that, um, and, you know, sort of help maybe merchants in different ways. But then we talked about, I mean, the other day when we were hanging out, we were talking about some of your ideas around marketplace stuff on Noster and some of the ordinals inscription stuff that you're yep. doing. And so how do you sort of think about, like, is your, do you see your main thing still as kind of the node plus services and then this other stuff is like kind of experimental or do you see yourself getting pulled towards some of these other areas or sort of how do you think about the whole kind of the composition of the things that you're focused on or that you and the team want to achieve? Yeah, so pretty much in around January or so, sort of started realizing that we were doing very well within the Lightning Network, um, just being one of the top nodes. And there was a bit of a ceiling, though, in terms of how much value you can provide to the Lightning Network, because the Lightning Network is pretty small right now. And so basically the thought was, okay, where is we do think Lightning Network is going to keep growing. It might take a long time to get to where just being a Lightning Services business is actually big enough to be pay for more than, you right. know, half a half of a meal every day <laughs> you know so um started thinking about where is this growth going to come from and to me the most exciting places of growth are ai and noster mm -hmm. um and then additionally everyone started getting really excited about ordinals and inscriptions mm -hmm. and so um we have played around in all of those three trying to see what sticks and anything that we build some software for that is useful can fit into, to me, what our company is, is we do software. Mm -hmm. And so if it can fit into the API, <laughs> right. You know, hopefully it's connect, like ideally it's connected to something around lightning and Bitcoin. Cause that's my expertise. That's what most of the infrastructure is. But if it touches lightning and Bitcoin, like it can fit into the API. Mm hmm. You know, okay, we can bring it under the umbrella. So, so is it almost more like, do you think of this, if it structurally is like a lab with a portfolio of bets and you're kind of going to see what really gets a lot of momentum to double down on? Or That is kind of how it's the comp our company is turning out, I would say. Mm -hmm. And yeah, which I don't know if it's the right move. I mean, I've never ran a company before. People are, you know, my dad tells me I need to focus, um, mm -hmm. do one thing very well. 
And I'm like, well, what if that one thing is software? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, what if it's human ideas? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. and I love experimenting with things and doing random stuff. So, um, right. Well, I mean, I think the idea, you know, at, at an early stage, you know, finding, finding something that like connects with a market that's growing fast is important. But, um, but there's a lot of companies that get started and then end up just, you know, a bunch of people working together on a bunch of things and they kind of notice something new and emergent that maybe wouldn't have been big enough to start a company around, but everybody's like really excited about it. And that thing is just kind of taking everybody's mental energy and attention and interest. And so then everybody starts like doubling down on that. And then sort of the company becomes that. And I think most companies end up, end up kind of navigating, not, not even necessarily intentionally changing what they're doing, but kind of navigating toward where they have, they see energy in the market. And so, um, I, I think it's, I kind of, I kind of like your overall approach of kind of doing what you feel like and listening to where there's energy and maybe not getting too focused before you know what is going to work. And in most companies, I mean, you think about like, like you were talking about Square, you know, I think when Square was started, it was really this piece of hardware and it enabled like food truck merchants to plug into an iPhone. My guess is that's like a vanishingly small portion of the business today, plugging in little squares into iPhones, right? Like yeah. <laughs> the point of sale system and, and the cash app and all kinds of other stuff. And it's, it's not necessarily that that other thing wasn't good. It was enough to get started, but that's not really what the focus is, right? So I think it's kind of a natural... I think that's a great way to put it, put it is listening to the energy of the markets mm -hmm. and what starts someone else, something else I heard is make it pay. So yeah, we could double, triple down on being a lightning router, but if you front run that opportunity too much and you can't make any money from it and maybe that opportunity is correct, but you're six years early, yeah, you, you lose. And so when or this is the, the ordinals is a great example of this because um i've been following the ordinals project for about a year mm -hmm. um didn't know it was going to turn into i remember casey mentioning you could do like inscriptions which he hinted were the same <laughs> as nfts and i was like i didn't really i didn't know what it was i was like so dude what are ordinals for he's like i don't know <laughs> and then seeing that get released and then realizing that all of the these degens from Ethereum, <laughs> Solana, and there was this NFT market that I, I, I thought that like, I always thought NFTs were kind of stupid, <laughs> to be honest. And I still think they are. Stupid. Says the creator of Astral Babes. <laughs> yeah, I still think they are stupid. But I think also, you know, you know, keeping up with the Kardashians is stupid. But right. people love it. Like it's, you know what I mean. So stupid yeah, yeah. does not mean necessarily, you know, um, not fun. So I think right. stupid and fun can go together. Yeah. Um, but seeing people just get so excited about inscriptions on Bitcoin and then realizing this just opened mm -hmm. and we have, you know, we can be a first mover and have a first collection. That's where just sprinted on it. And mm -hmm. actually it was just me at the time. So I just didn't have any employees or anything. Yeah. Sprinted on it. And I had been uh, so excited with the AI art stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. I was spending, I was spending like an hour a day on mid journey. Oh yeah. Just generating images. 
it's, and I was like looking, the, I was like, this is so cool. I, I thought I just saw, was it July, 2022 is when that was something launched, like that, which is not even a year. I know that's yeah. what is it? Nine, 10 months. I mean, mid journey to me was just, is one of the coolest things I've ever. So, I mean, cause it's, you know, there's so many ideas in my head about art Yeah. and you can just give it a prompt and it, it expresses the idea that you are trying to convey. Yeah. And so I always just, I've spent so much time just generating these, Yeah. you know, mother Gaia goddess <laughs> thing or like yeah. fire, water, yin yang, like right. these crazy concepts that I've loved that you can express and it helps you express them. And it's so beautiful, I think. And do you have something in mind when you're starting? Are you you have something in mind that you want to create? Yeah, definitely. So you kind of want it to look a certain way, and does it just like surprise you, or do you usually yeah. get kind of where you wanted to go with it? Or you well, you kind of learn different triggers and keywords. So, you know, cosmic is a word that I really liked because it would bring this airy, you know, galaxy type of feel. And then you can figure out what words give it what themes. Yeah. And then put them together, and so it's this, it's this iterative process, and that's why Midjourney was so, is so good because they designed it with that iterative process in mind, where you do your prompt, it gives you four options, and yeah. then you can either, you can upscale one, or you can regenerate, see some more. Right. Um, so just playing with that, I was like, I gotta do something with Midjourney, hmm. and um, actually had just hacked away i was the goal this was back in before the Asheville babe stuff was just was working hacking around a mid journey and trying to have a way to have it post a noster hmm. so now we have we actually have this little widget that we haven't released yet but um my my buddy's using it he has this account <laughs> on noster it's called uh what's this guy doing and he does <laughs> he does fake pictures of guy fieri the chef <laughs> That are all like Guy Fieri <laughs> as a baby eating a popsicle, <laughs> like sad Guy Fieri who spilled his like <laughs> spilled his beer. Like, do they look like Guy Fieri? It's, guy, it's like themed Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri riding a purple ostrich. <laughs> and so every you guys should follow because every. But does it? So what's the account called? I uh, it's called like oh Aiken A A K I N for bacon, <laughs> and. Anyway, but yeah. the point is, he's funny. He's hilarious. And he has a funny obsession with Guy Fieri. But the point is, he has this little tool we built where directly from Discord, you can just click an emoji and it'll post to your Noster oh, nice. account. So yeah. um, anyway, where are we going with that? Yeah, just... So you were playing with the, the mid-journey stuff. And have you... Is the mid-journey stuff like its own generative models, like totally independent of like stable diffusion or are they kind of like an interface on top of some of the stable diffusion stuff? I don't know. I think it, I think they have their own model mm -hmm. and somehow they've trained it to have a certain feel. Cause it has a definitely this cool feel that's different than yep. out of the box, stable diffusion or Dali two. Right. And I know actually what somebody did is they took stable diffusion and then they tuned it based on a bunch of mid journey images. Mm -hmm. So now there's an open source version of something it's called like i forget what it's called but it kind of has the feel of mid-journey but i'm pretty sure mid-journey is sort of a proprietary model right now mm -hmm. right um but yeah do you end up using the discovery features of mid-journey much like if you're just cruising through the channels you can see the prompts that other people use and you can see the output and be like oh 
maybe like cosmic you're like oh i saw yes i definitely. saw the you know danny just did this thing with cosmic and it's cool so i'm gonna like adopt that do you do you notice other people there who are really good at prompting definitely i haven't had as much time lately but early on when i was trying to discover stuff i would um and the other is there's some good social media accounts on instagram where they'll they'll post their themes and sometimes share their prompts but also like a lot of people want to keep their prompts private right which is an interesting concept as well but um yeah i'm kind of intrigued by the idea of like there's all this you know all this excitement around creating these images and sharing them on existing social networks which i think is fine and interesting but then there's also all of this kind of intellectual horsepower that we collectively put into these things to try to coax something that we want out of them or something that we do that turns out to be really exciting and we don't really have like a place to go to share and discover the prompts that lead us to the magical moments, right? Yeah. And I kind of feel like that's a new type of sharing unit that nobody's really built like the place to do that, right? There's a bunch of places you can kind of do parts of that, but like the place to make it really good. So maybe what we need to do is get, change up this bot and have it so that it, it posts the prompt and the image to Noster. Mm -hmm. And just let people do that. But then we need to figure out the curation of the content. Or maybe there's some hashtag we can have it post with or something. So yeah, that I then mean, you can, what's the, what's the best, because I was trying to figure this out on Noster. What is the best way to find themed curated content? Themed. So I, I guess, I mean, the hashtag has some theming to it is that mm -hmm. different I guess, what you, than what you have in mind i guess if is the hat does the hashtag work well as a i guess what i'm i'm what i've been trying to think about is what are how can we how can i go on noster and just i want a feed of all mid-journey images what's right. the best way to find that or curate that like is there a way of i guess you would need somebody to opt into like posting it in that way right like to post it with a prompt or to add the hashtag. So I think that's one way because the, the other way would be you create a, a predefined list of good artists who are doing that content. And another way is you incentivize curation somehow, mm -hmm. which I was trying to think about. Is that a viable thing where if you could somehow have every, you know, people who are curators who are on Nostra all day, mm -hmm. they see something, ooh, that would go well at... Uh, you know, mid journey, mid journey right. chain or whatever they yeah, want to yeah. call it. And they just, if they add mid journey, whatever, and enough, enough people add it, then that account will repost it. Right. And if it gets zapped, yeah, those zaps somehow get distributed to the people who found it first or something. Right. Well, you know, now you've got me thinking like if we have, we have, there's a cost to generating these things, right? It's not free yet. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't think there's any service that's really free, free. No, yeah, it's all you need either a mid-journey account or like a right, which which kind of sounds to me like an opportunity to use money. Yes. So like, what if there were like a a bot where you could prompt via a Noster post, and maybe even get people to rally with Zaps to Ooh. get the thing generated. Yeah. So like a community generated like oh i love that cosmic that's awesome everything that danny does with cosmic is great i'm going to give him you know 420 
sats for it. And I then like that. Gets generated and then gets shared back. And once it gets shared back through that API or whatever, you could kind of have the structure of it being part of, you know, it's kind of a, like a, it's not just repurposed content, but it's kind of like de novo content for Noster, like de novo AI image gen content on Noster. That would be cool. And um, we've actually been working on something web, it's our web AI library, mm-hmm. where it basically just is a way of exposing our open AI account, but anybody can do an action on it mm-hmm. and pay a micropayment. Mm. So we could use that. Oh, yeah. In this. So you're kind of already touching these themes. Looking at it. Um, but is that uh, probably something that, do you think you can get away with that or does it violate yeah. No, I, I think it's totally fine. I oh, don't good. see why not. I think it's it's our account. We pay for the, ultimately, if it gets used a bunch, it charges our credit card. Right. And we're just saying you can pay us to. I see. To, um, we'll generate it with our account, I think. I mean, maybe I should look. Yeah, no, not, not that you <laughs> now that you say it, I, I think that's right. That, that makes sense, right? Like they're trying to be the API and they want to sell API access, but you don't necessarily have to. You, you call it web AI? Is that the name of the project? Well, the whole or? the original project was because people were building all these AI apps and it would be like, so it'd be one of two things. One, they deploy the app and it's free mm-hmm. and it goes viral. And now all of a sudden they're hit with a $5,000 right. bill. Yeah. You're like, oh crap. <laughs> the other thing is then they're like, okay, we'll just make it so that the, the user has to input their OpenAI API key yeah. into the browser, and then we'll use that to do the AI stuff. I see. And that sucks. Yeah, yeah. That's... And so what we were like, it's like, okay, let's have the user just do a micropayment, mm-hmm. which is better. It, it works for Lightning users. So then the, us, the user just has to do a micropayment that gets paid to the DZ backend. Yeah. The DZ backend routes the call yeah. to OpenAI, pays for it in fiat. Yeah. Um, and then returns it back, but it's there's still friction because like not that many people have Lightning wallets, right? But we we're getting there. But I mean, what what does it cost on average to do like an image gen? With, let's say I, don't know. I guess OpenAI must be the most expensive image gen. I well, so there's no so OpenAI's image gen is not as cool as Midjourney's. Mm-hmm. Midjourney doesn't have API access, mm. and I don't. I think it's so small though. Like a single image is not that. Much. I mean, I don't think it's more than like hundredth of a cent or something oh geez so you could even you could literally do this Maybe with like a tenth of a few cent sets. yeah definitely to the point where it's almost that seems like a killer use case like both for i mean all of noster image gen and lightning so actually that would be a cool noster post if <laughs> okay so the account i think this is where you're going is the account actually just posts a prompt and a lightning invoice. Yeah, yeah. And then anybody can pay it. And then <laughs> yeah. once it's paid, it shows up. It but then also a... anybody can write that prompt to get syndicated out. What do you mean anyone can write the... Oh, oh, right. So you can write a prompt like and tag at, like, yeah. fund my mid... Yes. Fund my art. <laughs> okay, And I if like it this. gets enough zaps... Then it'll then get... Then it gets funded and generated. generated. And now, like, community, we just, like... We did like a crowdfunding. Wait, yes, to, I really like. You that. know what I mean? Okay, we can definitely do this. And and man, I think I I found because then account. that account will come with like all this super cool 
art itself. Yeah. And it'll be like, it's only gonna be 10 sats to generate. It's nothing. People spend cool hundreds image. of sats for just nonsense posts because it's just like fun, right? It's just playing with it. Okay. So we would have, there'd be a central, maybe a single Noster account to submit a, a prompt request. You would say your prompt into at, you know, whatever we're calling this thing. That thing would then respond with an invoice, maybe. Reply with an invoice. Like it would estimate how much it thinks it costs? I think it would have a set fee. It would be for, a set fee, yeah. Yeah, and then it would probably respond with an invoice. And then if someone pays the invoice, it will respond with the image. But the, if the invoice gets paid twice, then it just goes into the slush fund for future. I don't think it would get paid. I think, I think most wallets will not allow a, a double payment. Oh, really? I thought it happens all the time. Oh, does it? Yeah, I, I, my understanding, and I, I'm, I would consider myself not an expert at lightning, but this one detail I kind of went deep on because I, I made these videos to show people how to, you know, just sort of click through the interface of Domus and connect Wallet of Satoshi, which is kind of, you know, general, generally useful. I happen to demo it with those two. Um, but now I have everybody come on and issue me like 21 sat invoices on Noster. And then I just pay him to kind of welcome them and show them how, you know, how Noster works and how Lightning works on Noster. Um, but then sometimes other people get to it and pay those first, and I still pay them. So I think there's. It's a. I think it. It technically, uh, the receiver, can accept it twice. So it just depends on the receiver. Mm -hmm. What software they're running. I see. Um, I think that that's my understanding at least. Right. I thought the default for like an LND or something was that it, it won't accept a, a, a double payment, but there's mm -hmm. no reason in the protocol why they can't. Right. It's insecure to do it for the, the sender kind of. Meaning the sender reveals identity. So basically the, the invoice itself has a secret, this pre-image or whatever. Mm -hmm. As soon as someone pays it, that pre-image gets revealed and then if another one comes along, tries to pay it, and I think what, what can happen is and if you're a routing node in the middle there and you've already seen this, the pre-image to this secret here, right? then you can be like, oh, wait, I'm not going to forward it to here. I'm just going to take it. Oh, I see. And then um, I, I think. But you'd have to be running the lightning infrastructure as well. So yeah, it, it's happened to get the route. You'd have to have, yeah, it, a few things need to happen. And so it, it's it, possible that you that don't want to be trying to pay right. things twice because right, right. ultimately if you do it enough, someone's going to figure out how to exploit yep. it. Yep. Yep. Um, but anyway, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe there's some, you know, UX to work out. Like, is it an invoice or do, I mean, you could also do it without a formal invoice and just look to see how many zaps the thing gets. And oh, people just yeah. know that like. If it gets a certain number of zaps, like then the thing zaps. will get generated. And you yeah. can just kind of look at it and be like, oh, this doesn't have enough yet. I'm going to contribute. I like that. You know, makes a lot more sense. Just to kind of keep it simple. Yeah. But that, yeah, I feel like there's something, I mean, there's something at the intersection of like how Noster works and how AI stuff would work and how okay, Lightning so, can touch it all. Yeah. Because then also, because we can have AI generate these prompts, which is a fun thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we can have the AI be pumping out these prompts yeah. and it can maybe learn which ones are getting zapped right. highly. Yeah. Yeah. 
and yeah. then which ultimate images get zapped highly right. or something. <laughs> so you're kind of like training the prompt to know how to like extract zaps from users. Yes, but I think it also <laughs> would be cool if you redistribute um, the the somehow can incentivize the people who are zapping the prompts. If the final image actually gets zapped, those go oh, back yeah. to the people oh. that curated oh, it. Oh, beautiful! Wow. How powerful is that? That'd be You're basically cool. like, like investing in the prompt and then recouping value in the result if the result is valuable. It's so that's I a think, crazy, awesome idea. I think what we would probably <laughs> want is that there'd be two Noster accounts. The first one does all these spits out all these random prompts, mm -hmm. and it's just if you follow this account, it's going to spam your feed with all these prompts. Right, but. Um, the other account is like for the images. Mm -hmm. And so normal people, if they just want to see cool images, they'll follow the images account. Right. And the zaps from those get distributed back to the person who, who funded the actual image generation. Right. <laughs> so now the curators can go and be like, oh, that's a cool prompt. I'm going to fund this one. I'll fund that one. Fund right. this one. And if those posts take off on right. the main account, that'd be cool. But, but you've actually, I think you've also got an interesting feedback loop here, which is, like you mentioned, cosmic is is just a term that you like, and you've got kind of a feedback loop that if if cosmic shows up in a you know in a prompt and the image gets generated, you're probably likely to pay it. So you could start to kind mm -hmm. of almost machine learn on which prompts are causing which people to fund which results. Yeah, you kind of have. It's a little bit. I mean, this whole the whole thing I've been saying about kind of the AI space is like nobody's really invented like a non um, a non hired human feedback loop. So you know, like the RLHF stuff is almost every team working on RLHF hires people to do the human feedback part, and there's no like organic behavior that does the HF. But right. in this with the system, zaps, yeah, it's a very interesting way of having that organic. Yeah. I also wonder, there would definitely be different themes. Some people are going to want all Bitcoin and ostrich art. Right, right. <laughs> some people are going to want Guy Fieri art. Yeah. And some people are going to want cosmic, you know, meditation art. Yeah. And so how do we handle these different themes and stuff? Right. Uh, for the different audiences. Right. Well, I think if you, if you, you know, like with a lot of new products, I think it's best to just find, you know, some group people who care so if it starts only as like the ostrich generator that's probably like enough to get started or if there's enough guy fury fans or you know people who like that <laughs> that style if you get dozens or hundreds of people gathered around the guy fury account they then understand what they hope to get out of it and then they pull it in different directions because gotcha. i think sometimes i was talking to you know pablo pablo uh, of not personally, F7Z. but seven Z, but yeah, yeah, we were kind of chatting about this topic this morning. Cause, um, you know, it's, it's so easy to kind of build. It's so, it's so easy to like think because we're thinking in these abstract programming platformy type things, it's easy to imagine the vastness that can be accomplished. And sometimes if you can kind of galvanize it to a single use case that just sort of sh doesn't try to show off how vast it is, but it tries to show off like how easy it is. 
then people say, well, that was easy. I wish it could also do this. And you're like, well, mm. of course it also does that. I mean, it's vast. <laughs> it's Okay, a, so know, we need to get this little, we'll try to get this little first version out. I would love to play with this. And then we can. Uh, I have so many ideas for what I want to do with okay, it. Okay, <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm excited. Now, yeah. I got to figure out how to get. So, got the, the sparkling water is getting me a little burpy. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. <laughs> no, um, but your curation idea, you were talking about curation. And I think if you have too much stuff, then curation is valuable. But if you don't have enough, it's almost like cause the problem first and then curation can solve it. That's a great point. Yeah. So, I think, yeah, we'll just start with some, like, yeah, don't some cosmic prompts. Yeah. And I think what we'll do is just have this thing spit out potential prompts just like every five minutes yeah. or something. Yeah. And then anyone could go in and fund it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me, I don't know if you've read Eugene Way's, he did a really good uh, kind of distillation of what works about TikTok. Uh, kind of like a, kind of an analysis around sort of the dwell time and how the feedback of how many times you watch the thing loop and how often you swipe or follow, like what caused you to follow an account. He's just like, picking apart all those mechanics. And it's really, in a sense, TikTok is only able to present us content that somebody else made already. But like the TikTok of the future should notice how we interact with a piece of content, like maybe a piece of art. And it should say like, oh, well, if you like that, I'm gonna generate something else that nobody's ever seen before. But because you downloaded it to your phone or you shared it or you commented on it or you funded it, we're actually going to generate more shots on goal or more candidates of things that you might be interested in. And so you're getting sort of the AI to adapt to your interest to let you like take it in a direction that you're really you know excited about. Yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> this, this gives me a lot of optimism because I, I mean, I've been playing around with AI stuff for, for a while, but I've always kind of felt like AI is such a centralizing force mm -hmm. in that, you know, everything is an API and an API key. And like, you have kind of like your, your providers who can cut you off at any time. If they cut your API key off, they don't like what you're doing. You're making too much money and they want that. Whereas I think there, you know, a lot of the experts in the field that I've talked to in AI um, seem to suggest that there's a bunch of good factors that would indicate we may be hitting some ceilings so there's going to be like a lot of competition that catches up there's not going to be like like maybe mid journey is really good today but presumably like a stable diffusion or maybe a dolly or others can be you know a good enough that it's replaceable mm -hmm. which then means and maybe you can start to run it on edge computing where you're like running it on your phone or running it on you know either a relay or maybe there's a new middleware Probably not a relay. Everybody's going to hate me if I say run on a relay. <laughs> Relays are for relaying messages, not for <laughs> generating AI art. But maybe some middleware that can generate AI art as part of, you know, just like that's their kind of single purpose function, but they're not like controlled. You can dispatch those queries to anybody who chooses to run on like a, you know, generative AI protocol or something. So you might actually be able to push a lot of this stuff to a more decentralized way and you don't have to depend on like single API providers. Yeah. I like that. Um, so is there, is there a way to, you can see who's after your post, right? I get yeah. notifications that says this person's after you. Okay. That's yeah. great. And, then, and then, then that's you can the reward, default. And you yeah. can reward the folks who, yeah. um, you can do that. That's funded the, the image default in, at least in Domus is the one I use the most. They had like a, 
they had like I think three flavors of visibility. I think it was like public, private, and anonymous. And so private and anonymous, maybe private would not show up under that. You know, like likes or reposts. Mm-hmm. What are they, you know the reactions little line item. Um, they have like zaps there, and if you tap on it, you can get a list of all the zappers and the amounts, and even if people write custom messages and zaps. So those show up there gotcha. too. And I, my understanding is I thought Will or somebody was saying that they wanted to make the zaps more like a kind one. So kind of like a, a real message because it is a little frustrating to get it. Like if somebody adds a comment to a zap and they zap you with that comment and you want to like thank them for the comment or reply to the comment, you can't because it's not like uh, a message in like the... It or something. Yeah, it's not like a first-order message. It's kind of the subordinate type of message. Gotcha. So I think the there's a little bit of movement. I don't know at what stage it is. You know, these things change fast. But I think there's a bit of movement to turn the list of zappers of a given uh, a given post, you know, a given note into notes themselves. Very cool. And probably like the UI can kind of still consolidate them in the way they are. But yeah, definitely public to answer your question. So nice yeah that's cool (laughs) well there's more we could talk about with different kinds of nostr events yeah uh, if you wanted to get into talking about this decentralized order book for ordinals and stuff right pretty pretty interesting stuff like people are using nostr for these ordinals marketplaces now yeah so i i think that was i forget when it was like a month or two ago when we were hanging but you had just begun some of that stuff so you, you played with the ordinal stuff. You said about a year ago you were looking at it. Just looking at it, Just following looking at it, okay. it. But then in G, you know, in the, as soon as it launched mainnet and I started seeing the hype, uh-huh. I was like, oh, man, we could, I could make one of the first collections and yeah. figured out, like, came across these astral, like, astral goddesses. And I was like, oh, these are awesome. There's just stuff you found on MidJourney? Yeah, because I love just generating, you know, uh, really heavenly kind of goddess. Yeah. And like God and very um, cosmic stuff, and so then came mm. across this prompt for these like astral babes. Like, yeah. <laughs> is that actually in the prompt? It's like the prompt is a beautiful astral woman bikini, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, man, these are really cool. And so I was like, I'm just gonna we're gonna do a collection, and so launched launched in. Basically, and then we had this lightning stuff, and so put to, like sprinted for a week to put together this infrastructure for paying with lightning, getting that uh, the astral bay like inscribed and sent to your wallet. Yeah. Then, but also there was no there's no good web wallets for this stuff, or there wasn't at the time. Mm-hmm. And so built a wallet which we called NOS FT, where it takes your Noster key and it creates a Bitcoin wallet out of it. So, so you're you're starting with your Noster private key and putting it into like a Chrome extension. So yeah, so it works best with Albi. So okay. if you have your Noster key in your Albi extension, yep. The, um, Do we the, feel like that's pretty battle tested. Albi, like I'm the, very confident in Albi. They're a great, um, they're they're very good software and good, good group. And you just, I mean, it's definitely. Pasting at least having the a private key in the browser extension is much better than oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> directly in the browser. Yeah. Um, the best is Noster Connect, where you have 
your key is maybe on, you know, you, you don't want to be copying and pasting your key anywhere. You want to have it yep. just generated once in one spot and then tap it or yep. something. We're just, I feel like we're getting there. Right. Um, this is the Nostra Wallet Connect service from Albi? Is that the one you're talking about? I think Albi's integrated that. Oh, okay. They didn't build it. They didn't build it, right? Okay. So some, someone else came out with the oh, first Oh, okay. I ver- thought they built it. I didn't know. I don't know. I, so I think someone else came out with the first version of Nostra Connect. Uh-huh. Um, but what we did is we said, okay, Nostra Key is just a private key. Let's turn it into a Bitcoin address, yeah. which is controversial, by the way. I've gotten some stuff. Some people don't like that. But What, what do they not like about it? Um, just Some people are like, yeah, the, your Nostra Key should be a Nostra Key. Your Bitcoin Key should be a different key. And I was like, well, why not just like, you know, these are just to store small amounts of little collectibles. You can, I think it's kind of a neat thing to have collectibles on your public. Because, um, well, I mean, again, I think NFTs are kind of dumb, <laughs> but I can't ignore the market that right. just went crazy. Like people, for some reason, love digital collectibles. And Do you think they're mostly art aficionados or do you think they're more like gambling use cases or i think it's a combination of degenerate speculative gamblers wealthy people who want to show they're wealthy in an online setting and be part of like a, a crypto punks their prof people be, got really attached to having like a crypto punk as their profile picture a board ape as their profile picture because it was a way of signaling wealth mm-hmm. um signaling part of a community and they like being part of a community where you know you're all yeah maybe it's a community of degenerate gamblers (laughs) or you know uh wealthy people who like to have parties right um but there's this weird social thing where it kind of just took off and when this first came out on ethereum you know 20 i mean i started seeing it and i I have a bunch of you can look at my twitter history i was ripping i was like this is stupid (laughs) right click save Right. This is dumb. And it's just like still around and the market just proved me so wrong. And so <laughs> I was like, All right, well now it's on Bitcoin. Like I think right. this is here to stay. I mean, I'm not an NFT collector, but I thought this art was pretty cool. And then there are there are people that legitimately you know, the other thing that's really cool about the collectibles is you do have some real artists that now have a new path to monetize. Yeah. Where they can actually come out with something cool. Right and get paid for it and so yeah so anyway i was like eh, you know it's on bitcoin good enough for me yeah. like that's gonna throw the reputation on the line and got i've got excommunicated from a lot of the bitcoin uh the bitcoin maximalist cult but was that because you were even just touching ordinals and inscriptions or was yes. it because they were just like we don't want to have anything to do with you he's a scammer they call, call me a scammer for pumping pumping my project Huh. of my astral babes so <laughs> unfortunately if that makes you know if that makes me a scammer then i guess i'm a scammer but <laughs> i think that it's uh, is that the same set of people who are concerned about using a nostr private key to generate a bitcoin address there's probably some overlap I, there's less pushback to that i think more people think that's kind of interesting obviously you don't want to store your your cold storage on your right. nostr key but right. like small hot wallet yeah why not but are people people are just mostly concerned about the hygiene aspect of like people who are new and may not understand what they're doing and they might end up collecting more value than they realize on yeah, a key they don't really I th- I think so. I, I think that's that's part of it. Um 
I don't really know. I can't really steel man the argument. I, I don't have a good sense of it. I don't know if there's a very there's a lot of people that really feel that way. There's definitely more of a steel man on why selling being part of ordinals is bad and inscriptions. There's arguments because of the non fungibility. The first argument is that so the way these this ordinal system works, it's totally just made up. It's a way of tracking satoshis that doesn't actually exist within the Bitcoin protocol. But it's just like everybody's got consensus that that's the way we're going to organize them. Well, I mean, sort of like the people who subscribe to ordinals do. But then, you know, someone came out with stamps, which is like a different <laughs> way of that's different. It uses. But somebody could come out with reverse ordinals where the numbering system's different. Right. And so but the idea is like it seems that ordinals, they're intuitive enough that you can reason that this kind of works. Mm hmm. Um, but the argument is that, no, you're making stuff up. It's not actually part of Bitcoin, which is a fair argument. The second one is just that, in general, a lot of the NFT market was there was a lot of overlap from the ICO market. Mm, right. And you just, which attracts all types of pump and dump, scam projects, right, rug right. pulls, right. things that are, they, that suck in retail. Mm-hmm pump up a project, dump it on unsuspecting people who thought they were buying something right. that was, you know, going to make them rich. And right. um, there has been a lot of that in all of crypto, mm -hmm. definitely in non-Bitcoin stuff. And so Bitcoin has preserved its reputation as that kind of stuff doesn't really fly on Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And, but now it's like, okay, now there's NFTs, there's, you know, ordinals on Bitcoin and inscriptions on Bitcoin. Are we just enabling this, this bad behavior? And you could argue, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, yeah, it's, it's opening the door to that. How do you feel about the, um, cause it takes up block space that otherwise could be used for transactions. That's the other part. Yeah. Is that it adds more stress to the node operators. Um, to me, to me, this is. And in the past, there have been debates on that Bitcoin shouldn't be a file system, mm -hmm. a place to store files. It should be a place for financial transactions that actually matter, which is a fair argument for how you want to use Bitcoin. But some people don't think money's like, they think money's a cool use case, but they like having fun more than they like sound money. Mm -hmm. And so I think maybe in the early days when Bitcoin was more fragile and needed to be protected, that was a better argument. Now Bitcoin is like, very battle tested. It's an open protocol. So are you going to, people going to come say that this is not the right way to, maybe you don't agree with it, but that doesn't mean you can tell people how to use this open system mm -hmm. and people have value. Some people really like that these, you know, images get engraved on the blockchain forever. Right. And, and it stores all of the binary data for the image. Like in inscriptions, you're actually storing all the the binary data for the image. Yeah, so you the take the, the full data JPEG and shove it into this kind of useless part of the, the taproot signature mm -hmm. section. Which So it was enabled by the taproot upgrade because it removed the length restriction for these signatures. Right. For other reasons, because you might want like ZK proofs or stuff. But Casey kind of figured out you could story images in there and so people started doing that um yeah i think 
Oh, and the other thing is we have lightning now. So in the past, it was like, yeah, you know, blockchain base layer fees are going up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of inconvenient, but like you should be using lightning anyway. We kind of, and also some people think, some people think you want higher fees for a security budget. Right. I don't really subscribe to that argument. I don't think we necessarily need higher fees for a security budget, but it's six months ago, people were talking about how Bitcoin security is at risk because the on-chain fees are too low. Right. <laughs> so not the on-chain fees. Part of the Astro Bay's mission was to come save Bitcoin by polluting the blockchain. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think those are the main. And then the other argument is, you know, this opens the door to explicit images, mm. um, you know, child pornography, stuff right, like that. Right. If it gets, that can become an attack vector for the state to right. crack down on node runners. I see. If that type of stuff is on Bitcoin nodes. Yeah. The counter to that is that that's always been possible because you've always been able to store data on Bitcoin just in a more expensive, less convenient way. Right. So. So it sounds like you're you're like a little bit more agnostic to how people use it, but then you've been exploring did you you built like a you were talking about like the order book like did you build a marketplace for buying and selling these nfts so we are working on this so there's a super cool um way to do a marketplace for these things where so say i want to sell my stupid astral bait (laughs) (laughs) or my monkey jpeg (laughs) What I can do is I create, and all it is, it's 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 stored stored, you know, on a UTXO or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can create a, a a transaction that um, I sign, like do a, this type of signature that has a specific way of signing it, so that where it's basically me committing to say I will sell this to anyone who can pay me a hundred dollars for it, and I create this partial Bitcoin transaction, and I just broadcast it out. Mm-hmm over Noster, which we can get to, but you can broadcast it over anywhere. And then anyone who comes along and they say, I like that deal. You know, I think that Astro Babe's worth a hundred bucks. I'll go, I'm going to buy it. They can come in and construct the rest of the Bitcoin transaction that then fulfills the payment to me and delegates the, the item to them. Mm -hmm. And as a result, a single Bitcoin transaction gets published that facilitates that exchange. There's no middleman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also actually breaks this, um, it's a privacy gain because now it's, the more you can do these collaborative transactions, yep. that you get benefits of privacy because now kind monitors. Coin join type it's thing, like a coin join type of thing, yeah. but these are kind of trackable because you can see the size and yeah. the signature types, but um, it's super cool way of doing a totally like decentralized order book because you can have all these listings and you just broadcast them out. And the standard that people are using is Noster for this. Right. Um, and so you said you take a, is it a PSBT? Yeah. Partially PSBT, signed. Partially Bitcoin? signed. Yeah, exactly. And when, when you're using those, can you, I don't know all the ins and outs. Can you, um, you can specify where the destination is kind of as a late binding. Yeah. Item. Mm-hmm. So, so the, like the last PSBT that gets, that completes a set can tell the destination? So it's just, um, you can have competing, like if five people all like the deal, mm-hmm. they can all make their own fulfillment of it. Mm-hmm. And then all five of those are going to compete to see which one gets confirmed. Oh, I see. Only one 
can get confirmed because you can only spend a thing once. Mm-hmm. But whichever gets there is confirmed, they can have the thing, the trade executed in I their see. favor. Um, but yeah, you can basically, it's the way the signatures work where, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of complicated, but the way the lister sets up the signatures is they know that they're going to receive a hundred bucks and that their ordinal is going to go somewhere. And then the buyer can come in and they, what they do is they put in like two inputs before the thing one output that's like this dummy output yeah and then they add their money as an input and then they add their address to receive the ordinal so they add like three inputs and two outputs and maybe Mm -hmm. a change output and somehow it all comes together so that it's one transaction that does the trade wow yeah it's pretty neat (laughs) it's super cool and and are you I, I guess I, I'm not in all the details of this, but like, are you pretty confident that there's not a lot of good ways to exploit that? Or so there's a there's not. I mean, there's interesting incentives that come into play. So one of them is that the first is that there's it enables, which is not a good thing. I mean, I don't really care. Who cares? But it enables wash trading, where you can because there's no ta- middleman fee, right? You can you like just trade to yourself it. and be like, oh, look, this thing sold. Which, by the way, I'm that sure. That happens on centralized exchanges too, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. people do that. You just have to understand that that's what people kind of do. I mean, I, I, it would not surprise me if some centralized exchanges of NFTs uh, reduce fees in order to allow people to do that to make <laughs> yeah, them probably. more attractive places to trade because you're like, wow, that thing is here. Yeah, probably. I mean, you just look at the market. You just yeah. like, that thing's not selling for a million dollars. Like right. somebody's doing something fishy. Right. But you know, it is what it is. And so that's one kind of you know side effect of this. Another side effect is that in these cases where there's multiple people competing for the same item, mm-hmm. um, whoever pays the higher mining fee is going to get it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, but that's kind of an interesting market force where, oh, and the other thing is you can't, there's, so say I listed for a hundred bucks and now I realize, oh no, that's too low. I want, I want to cancel that listing. You can cancel it, but what you have to do is like spend your ordinal back to yourself oh, I see. to like yeah. ma- invalidate that transaction. To finish the transaction and point it to be received by you. Kind of, or you, or you like just invalidate it by spending the input differently back to yourself okay um which is a little clunky but it like honestly pretty like this is you know when you build on bitcoin you're building on a really really solid foundation right and so it's exciting that this like seems like it's gonna work pretty well yeah i think we remains to be seen about um there's interesting stuff with like gathering all these orders Mm -hmm. like how do you know People aren't spamming. I guess every order you look at, you have to validate it's a valid PSBT. So anyway, we're, we're getting to that point because on our NOS FT wallet, we're about to launch the marketplace feature mm-hmm. where you can do this, where buy from the decentralized Noster based order book, right. list on that same order book. And so this is a form of a Noster client, right? Yeah. So I go, I go visit mm-hmm. like a website that I put I can use like LB with my Noster private key. I'm logged into a Noster experience, mm-hmm. right? 
but I'm browsing an order book for <laughs> yeah. Astral Babes or whatever. Yeah, for um, whatever people are. Is it initially are only your, you've got a few NFTs? No, in... so someone else was first to market like a month ago with this. Oh, okay. They just, it's called Open Ordex. Mm -hmm. They just have no browser extension connection. I see. And you have to literally manually upload these PSBTs and stuff. I see. And so... Just gonna like make it very simple. This guy started with um, the PSBT stuff, mm -hmm. and I remember he tweeted. He was like, "Okay, we have the PSBTs ready. How should we do the order? Like broadcast them out?" And I was like, "Dude, use Noster." <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, this is great." So he did Noster, which we were planning on doing. And so now we're also doing Noster. So now our order books are the same. So mm -hmm. when you open our site, nobody's listing from our site, but you see all the listings from his site. Right. And then so now you're gonna have. It's just like Noster, all these. Yeah. So is there a, like a, a new kind for the items in an order book? Or? There's a draft proposal for a new kind, I believe. Okay. And how, how is that? I, I thought I heard that I like, you kind. need two clients and one relay supporting it before. Uh, oh, maybe it's not a new kind. I don't know. Or maybe just for any nip. I don't know. I think there's a draft nip. Okay. I can't remember what kind of the event is okay but it's not a tech i don't think it's a text post okay so there's like a few there's you and this other group or ordex open ordex open and there's ordex. actually another one as well i think okay so this is so like kind of getting some momentum it's gonna this get a lot of and I ultimately ultimately all the bigger exchanges they're all using the psbt stuff mm -hmm. and i think it's inevitable that they're gonna have to open up their start broadcasting over Noster. This will be interesting. <laughs> the, the the larger exchanges are going to have to... Well, like, someone like uh, Magic Eden, you know, mm -hmm. they're a big NFT marketplace. They've got into Ordinals. They have their own exchange. Oh, they do. Magic Eden Has supports or Ordinals? Today. Yeah, so they launched the Ordinals thing. Oh, wow. And um, they use the PSBTs, but they don't, they don't broadcast out their order book. Right. And so it's a natural next step that everyone's just going to start broadcasting out their order books. Mm -hmm. um, now, they, they they grew up as a centralized exchange, right? I think originally I Solana think so. NFTs. I think so, yeah. And um, and now they're adding this, but are they going to be like fully... I mean, when you go Noster, you sort of have a whole different set of trade-offs. You, you can't collect fees very well because it's pretty open, right? So does that, right. that must sort of evolve their business a lot. Yeah, it's disruptive. It's <laughs> yeah. definitely disruptive. So we'll we'll see. I mean, I'm, they might resist it. I don't know. You might do something where, like, I'm trying to think, could the seller, the person listing, maybe you could hack it so that the client, without users really knowing, the client will add an exchange fee. Hmm. Um, I see. So one of the things we're doing is we're for our, like our strategy is um, you can buy with lightning. So you can buy with a lightning payment. Mm -hmm. And then if you do that, then it'll go through our backend and our backend will take care of doing this on-chain thing. I see. And um, we can take a small spread on, on just that lightning payment. Right. Or presumably, I mean, you have this other lightning business of kind of as your node operation plus the ecosystem and scripts and stuff around it. So presumably you could, I mean, you could make that your business and you could end up scaling these things even in a very a highly competitive environment and you don't necessarily need to take, I mean, if you can get fee on it, great, but you don't need to get fee on it because you have kind of another more like lightning infrastructure business that could. 
you know, the growth of lightning should benefit you. Yeah. And so if there's like a, a good way to grow the ecosystem, it benefits you kind of from a fee perspective, just in the infrastructure. Yeah, exactly. You can kind of like let everybody compete to make lightning better and you win. And then, yeah, the right. well, we are, yeah, like we're right here, you know. <laughs> well, how, how do you think about like, I mean, you obviously spent a lot of time in Noster, but you kind of started a little, you started kind of Bitcoin, then did this lightning node stuff. And now you're sort of playing in Noster. Do you sort of, how do you think about what is Noster to you and the company? Like, do you, do you have more things you want to do or it just happens to solve this order book problem or are there other kind of Noster experiments that, that you have in mind? I just, I think Noster is really fascinating. Um, super cool. I mean, you can just see the viral growth of it. I'm so excited to see how new experiences come up because now you can scale an app without having to worry about getting users. Mm-hmm. Right. You come out with a new experience, all of a sudden everybody can use it. Right. Um, so I just want to be, I want to be in the ball game. Yep. So it's like, how can we do that? What synergies are there? Right. And yeah, we're running a relay now as well. Oh yeah. As of recently. How's that? Are you, are you using like any of the existing relay software? Nostream. Okay. Yeah. The one from Ricardo. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we just followed the Zebedee, Andre from Zebedee uh-huh. put up a cool gu- a nice guide. So we just followed that and have it running. And so it's just like super out of the box or do you do some customizations? It's very out of the box. Um, I just, what we did is, and it's paid, it's 10,000 sats, mm-hmm. but we also added um, everyone who I was already following or who was following me got uh, grandfathered in. Oh, I see. So it's a paid relay. relay, but you kind of bootstrapped it with a bunch of free, like some trust graph yeah. of, of initial users. People that I know, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and do you want to do... Do you want anything custom there? You think like just you just want to get some hands-on experience operating a relay? Just want to get started with it. I think yeah, just learn from it, stuff like that. We actually kind of we just want it because for the also for this marketplace thing we're doing. Um, also, just start thinking about you know it could be interesting for communities with because what we're seeing in ordinals is you know you have all these factions of communities Mm -hmm. that they all like the same bitcoin frog or whatever right and they all collaborate on discord and people they make friends on discord they like don't doing degenerate activities and (laughs) talking crap to each other and right people make friends and they have fun and but discord is kind of an experience you know, it's a chat experience where you have to be in there um, or else you miss it. Yeah. And so there's kind of this, it's kind of a stressful situation because you feel like you always need to be on. Yep. If you're not and you miss it. And I think some of these communities might benefit from a more Noster Twitter type experience mm-hmm. where you can have, so maybe is it, does that in the form of like a relay or is there other ways like badges, a way of filtering your, your Noster feed? Right. To switch between your different communities instead of jumping between your different Discord servers. Yep. Maybe you're on NOS FT, which is going to be a general purpose Noster client eventually switching between your different communities. So for us, like this, you know, this marketplace, it's kind of a marketplace at first, but everyone's got a Noster key now too. So yep. um, it could be a place for communities to chat and discover stuff. And, right. Yeah, I think we haven't done enough kind of thinking around what should like that feed experience look like. Like, I think we just sort of like 
most feeds kind of just adopt the everything of kind one into the thing in the order they were received and there's a lot of miss i feel like i, I don't have a good way of um yeah it's very much a live feed right now yeah um, where i want to have more topic-based stuff right and a good way to see that yeah and it's it seems like you could i guess like a lot of people are hesitant to do like various i mean discovery service like if you're going to be part of a community you need to figure out that that community exists and so how do you find that is it just somebody writing a note about it or can you sort of otherwise discover communities somehow and who decides which communities are available to discover mm -hmm. right so there's kind of there's some questions that i think so far people have deferred trying to solve because they you know they have centralizing forces to them and i think there's a lot of people trying to keep it like super clean um yeah and there's cool i mean there's lists right now mm -hmm. i saw there's a way to do lists oh is it right i haven't seen those there's a way to do lists so you as a um any user can create a list and the list is a post that has a bunch of pub keys in it oh cool um which is kind of cool so then you can see the list that someone made so if i published a list mm -hmm. so one thing is yes yeah, so we Anyway, I don't want to keep talking about the Astral Babes, but like, I'm thinking that like, you know, we, one of the things is we made a Nostra account Pumping for your bags. Huh? I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, um, yeah, there's, there's ways to do lists. I've also, I'm curious to learn more about badges because mm -hmm. I know I've heard, but I'm not familiar with if that's catching on at all. Yeah. I, I, I played with them a little bit. I think, uh, you know, I think the intention is that you can kind of use it to curate a bunch of people that all kind of mutually opt into being curated in that way. So think of it as almost like a, um, uh, like a, you know, you're a member of a society and the society accepts you as a member and you accept membership, right? Just kind of a, I think it's meant to be two way, at least the interface I used for it. That makes sense for like discord type of community. I mm -hmm. think that to me seems, seems like the most natural way to do it. Right. Um, cause yeah, well, the other thing that we can do, we were thinking of is, if you if people have their different uh, inscriptions on their Noster based address, you can just see what inscriptions they hold, and oh, yeah. automatically surface those communities as an option. Right, and then the client, I guess, can do filtering. Meaning, so if um, you own an astral babe, then you are granted potential admission, and then you can. I think it would be more just displaying the posts. I guess of you know if you have a. Bitcoin frog and an ape mm -hmm. and a babe, but then it's like those are the three communities you can cycle through on your website. And oh, for consumption. For consumption. Okay, so you're kind of like browsing the, I think browsing the, the, the Discord people. community. But then the, there's also a question of when you post as a Nostra user, you just post it. Yeah. But is there a good way of saying, oh, I want to post this, but I want to post this for like the frog community yeah. or whatever yeah, or yeah. for this other community that's like the steaks people that like cooking steaks community right. or something right right yeah it seems like having some control over that would be important like where you intend the post to go mm -hmm. but like like there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of people who tried to adapt centralized systems to have like multi posters right like like if i make a a video that i want to post on tiktok i might also want to post on youtube shorts and actually need to subscribe to a service to kind of do both of those but in this world you could just like you know, oh, anytime I post this 
type, I don't know what the metadata is, but if I post this type, then I want it to go everywhere, all my communities plus my main feed. And if I, you know, or if it includes a certain other piece of metadata from some other client that I'm using that is meant to be going everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. There's just, there's so many of those surfaces we haven't really been able to explore in centralized services that probably if a bunch of experimentation is done, we would figure out, oh, there's really cool ways to use these. We just didn't know about it because too much friction. Probably some tag or something is yeah. what we need, right? Some, yeah, because yeah, I was thinking about how it would be cool to have a like a very spiritual community on mm -hmm. Nostra. Because Nostra, you know, it's a lot of Bitcoiners. <laughs> just, you know, it'd, it'd be cool to cultivate like a very positive, and even just social media in general, I think is like not the most positive place. But I want... For me, I want a place where I can get just like really wholesome, you know, scripture verses, like mm -hmm. Bible verses, mm -hmm. stuff that's really up uplifting and have that on a dedicated feed and connect with other people who are posting about that. But then I was like, well, if I'm part of that and I slip up and I get in some <laughs> Twitter argument, I can't have that showing up on someone else's spiritual right, feed, right, you know, right, when I'm right. slipping up yeah, into yeah, my yeah. ego. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, I, but I think that's that's what's cool. I think in Nostra, because everything's both connected and open, you can you can try new things we've never tried before, right? Like you right. don't have to say that a single post goes everywhere, but you can subscribe to a feed that you consume when you're in that mode. I even think of like, we haven't really seen this yet, but I think of like, you know, like algorithms I don't see as evil. I just see like an algorithm that somebody else decides for me is evil. But if I get to decide mm -hmm. and it's open source and transparent and I can, I can see, oh, like I'm like, hey, I'm feeling kind of down. I want an uplifting, some uplifting messages in my life. And if that's spiritual or religious or puppies, like it could be whatever that is to me. And I can just go like, almost like go to the app store, <laughs> though not a centralized app store, but the app store for algorithms. Yeah, like, I like that. Give me the like uplifting things it's probably mostly puppies for me because like most of the things that i end up you <laughs> nice. know zapping are puppies <laughs> i'm like channeling my wife because she's always <laughs> me puppies. um nice. but but you could imagine having those things um you know uh that it's it's tuning it to what you want at the time or you're like look i'm about to go out i'm about to go out you know to the batting cages or something i just want to like get like amped right whatever whatever you're looking for, but you can, it's not just a hashtag. It's more like my, my follower, my following with an overlay mm -hmm. for what I want right now. We haven't seen that yet. Now, would that be, that's what my, what I'm wondering is that, does that happen on a client? Does it happen on the combination of a client with like some, some backend or a relay or I, 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 get, I mean, I think a client could do it today, but would end up, you know, it'd be, it feels to me like it needs to be a piece of middleware, but, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't I call myself so. an expert at this. Yeah. But. I think there could be like a dedicated service that is maybe you, you ask it, I want, I am this person and I want this type of content and it somehow recommends follow these or like, here's a bunch of posts Yeah, that is different than the native like client to relay Right. kind of dumb communication because i think it's nice to keep relays simple and they just yes. like they store messages they send messages like that's all yeah it's almost like a dedicated separate recommender type of thing right that might have its own curation system that incentivizes you know people to find cool stuff right. or something like that and you could imagine 
we could collectively rate those too. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, this one is a scammer. I try to get puppies and it always sends me like, it chills me cryptocurrencies <laughs> or NFTs. Or <laughs> <laughs> it said it was going to give me puppies and it gave me astral babes. <laughs> yeah. But, Interesting. Yeah, but I think it's some sort of middleware, but that's probably why we we haven't seen it yet. We're just still getting the basics of relays down and the basics of clients together. I guess some clients, like, have you played with Primal at all? Yeah, just recently. Yeah. So they have, like, it's you know, really cool. Really well executed experience. And they also have taken an opinion about um, actually having discovery and trending and. They right. are doing that, which is really cool. Yeah. And just seeing all the, how many users are yeah. on Nostra is really yeah. cool. Um, so yeah, I, I really like for that. the the way they think about that and the way they present information. And, and I recognize that there's some, like, you know, what I think some people might call an ideological compromise because they're making discovery decisions on your behalf. But I also think it's like, it still serves the needs of what Nostra aims at because I could go on primal.net. I could, you know, discover and find a bunch of stuff but then I've I've got those accounts I choose to follow them. Yeah. And I can go then on Domus to actually consume them. So I'm not like locked in to their discovery service. They're like one of an infinite pool of discovery services. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. I think discovery is a it's a need that you, you know that a good centralized service could do well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, once you find it, take it wherever you want. And and there could be multiple competing centralized mm-hmm. discovery services. Maybe Maybe we collectively rate them. Maybe we collectively fund them with zaps or, you know, all kinds of different. I, I think like competition is really what matters that they're like, they compete with each other, you know? Yeah. So I think there will be. Yeah. But yeah, it makes, I'm very excited. We have um, our, our Nostra client is this NOS FT website and it's fully open source. Mm-hmm. So if anyone <laughs> wants to help out contribute got some ideas fully open source so we're excited to just experiment with this kind of stuff so nosft is the all the the client software and you run a hosted version of it but you also have just anybody could take it and launch it on their own website anybody can grab the code fork it slap your own brand on it and host it yourself Mm -hmm. and we actually were thinking of offering that as a service (laughs) or something like that to people but um it's like run your own order book or it would be a client so you yeah. can um you can like deploy the nos ft site at your own domain mm-hmm. it'd be the same site right so the different domain you could edit the file so it has your own brand on it and mm-hmm. now you have your own marketplace right um and do you yeah do you imagine what would people do because the, like the whole the whole ecosystem as we were discussing kind of opens up the way maybe fee taking would work and even branding and trust may just live in different places. So do you imagine somebody would like, I I assume that you're kind of doing it to learn about it and explore, but you know, the next person who bring, who sort of wants to adopt it and launch it on their own website, would they have a credible way to be able to profit from that? Or do you think that they would just do it for similar like curiosity and kind of exploration and learning purposes? I don't know. I think like, um, that's a good point. I don't know what, like if they, you could edit it so that any listing like puts yours address in as a middleman fee or something. Mm -hmm. But then I don't know if people would use that or maybe, I don't know. We we don't know how it's going to turn out. I think for us, it's definitely experimental. Right. 
Um, open source, I think, open source is fun. Mm-hmm. And there's for I like to do I like to do stuff with open source front end proprietary back end. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a cool and practical way to try to do a business. Right. Right. Have you? Um, it reminds me a little bit. I don't know if you've been following the GitHub proposals and bounties. Do you know about this? What about it? So I think I think Jack Dorsey oh, originally yeah, proposed. Oh yeah, yeah. Noster based uh, Git. Right. And I think I think it was like kind of one of the more substantial bounties mm-hmm. that were out there, and it hasn't really gotten picked up. And I think I, I, maybe Pablo had weighed in yesterday or the other day. And it said like, oh, I figured somebody would pick it up, so I didn't bother with it. So, but but I think it's like a substantial enough bounty. But it may be that the project is like almost too ambitious for a bounty because I guess like the whole bounty ecosystem, you kind of end up doing a bunch of work, speculative. You don't know if you're going to get the bounties. You might, if it if it's like an hour, you can do it. But if it's like two months worth of work, you might not be willing to do that. Yeah. in such a speculative way. So kind of the, the risk-reward trade-off, and it's different. So I think yesterday Jack was writing a note about how he was rethinking kind of how that should be done or kind of just... Interesting. Yeah. But I, I wonder, because I think, I think you know, there's examples. My understanding is, do you, you know GitLab? Yep. So my understanding is GitLab is like an enterprise software on-prem version of... The, oh, interesting. And I kind of could see a version of like an open source, like open source GitHub. But like you said, you know, there's like, you know, proprietary backend. Maybe it's proprietary enterprise sales channel and brand. Mm-hmm. So you could. Hosted version. Like, yeah. that's the other cool model is the, yeah. Um, yeah, as you said, open, everything's open source, even the backend. But there's a hosted version that's right for. Right, right. But then is there enough momentum like, you know, GitHub's got runaway momentum with what it is good at. Is there enough of an additional value prop that you could provide, you know, by having the stuff open source or portable to competitors or, you know, like other just like ecosystem value? Like maybe everybody in Noster would, I guess maybe like, maybe Bitcoin would be one of the first projects if such a thing existed that would just, you know, galvanize the movement. Yes. So maybe you got to start with just one project. Yeah. Where you just, but then, I mean, that's not where this main development, main development happens on GitHub. So maybe you need like a mirror that mirrors every commit or something right, like that. Right, right. Or um, rebroadcast every, every commit. Is there any reason that you think it couldn't or wouldn't? No, it sh- you should be. I mean, if a commit, the data is publicly available through GitHub, you could just broadcast it to the Noster based version of it. I mean, I say this simply, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not a Git expert, so right. I think, I guess you would need, what would be the hard part? A file storage. Someone needs to store the right. Git history, right? Yeah. But Have I you seen any file, file storage? I thought, I've seen some people talking about file storage as related to Noster, but I don't know sort of what the state of discussion or possibilities are there. I don't know. Amazon S3. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Jeff Bezos. <laughs> well, people are talking a lot about, um, I, you know, I hear uh, BitTorrent mentioned again and again in that discussion and some aspects of the BitTorrent protocol that people have kind of, I think, wondered out loud. I don't know that I've seen a lot of projects built that do this, but where people sort of wondered, could you 
take some of the the kind of architectural decisions that were made around how BitTorrent works, but fit them into like a Noster addressing system or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Someone just figured something out on how to do torrents as inscriptions on, on the Bitcoin blockchain. Oh, really? I heard something about that. So like the torrent, like the seed magnet address thing? It's somehow like they shard it up and the seed is then inscribed for the file or something. But I guess Bitcoin's not a great place to store big files. Like right. It's not a place to store. It's not going to work as a place to store a bunch of big files. Right, right. But I don't know. So, so you guys are on, sounds like you're pretty serious about this NFT marketplace on Noster. Is that, is that kind of like... We're, yeah, we're, do, we're about to launch it. Um, that's what a few engineers have been working on. Is that everybody on the team is kind of all hands on deck focused on that right now? or Pretty much the engineers have been sprinting on the, um, the NOS, NOS FT marketplace mm-hmm. thing. We're going to see if anyone cares once we launch and then reassess where everyone's focused. Meanwhile, I've sort of been focused on across the board, you know, ran, all the random stuff we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um what does a launch look like? Honestly, I just merge it to prod and then probably ping our discord and say, Hey, you can buy and sell now. Uh huh. See if people like it. Uh huh. And yeah, I mean, that's me as an amateur founder, you know, <laughs> just, I don't really have it all planned out that well, but no, I think sometimes we like to just kind of launch. Yeah, I kind of like the, the soft launch. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, I like just kind of doing soft launches like, yeah. cause first of all, we don't have that many, we don't, we, so few users anyway yeah. so just roll it out slowly and yeah we don't have a great qa system too so someone's probably going to find some bugs and yep, yep. luckily people are kind of good with feedback and and so you've got already the discord where people are engaged and they might be kind of early candidate users of nos ft so the the, the early users of nos ft are the the astral community mm-hmm. the, all those are holders yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and because there's chads in Snowball too. There's Astral Babes and Astral Chads. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, those were some of the first people. Because that was sort of the overlap of my audience of people on Twitter was like Bitcoiners who know how to use Lightning. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of some overlap there of those people getting on the NOS FT mm-hmm. website. Um, but we'll kind of see. I mean, I think it's going to be pretty tough to win on the marketplace because some big players are are coming in but we have this lightning advantage that i think could be cool Mm -hmm. big players meaning big centralized nft players yeah just you know we've already seen magic eden come in i think okx announced they're doing something with it binance is about to launch something Mm -hmm. um so we'll see but i do think that the decentralized order book is going to win because it cuts out and so we're going to be one of the first movers there and then i think lightning is it's going to win in some respects, and we're going to be a first mover there. Yep. Are the big um, existing providers going to take the Noster approach for broadcasting messages? I don't know. I I don't know. We'll see. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so so this is, is this they days, do the, weeks? As I mentioned, they do the PSBT stuff already, mm-hmm. but not the broadcasting. Right. Um, and, yeah, I'd say we're within days of launching, like, the first – but like we've, we've, we've done – on our development branches, like our buy sells, buy with lightning. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. 
and so within days i would say maybe like next week we, we should have a first first version out right but honestly like yeah inscriptions they're kind of stupid like <laughs> don't spend your money on this stuff unless you're like really in, unless if you're gonna you shouldn't be it's it's not like a good thing to get into really it's mm-hmm. kind of cute they're kind of fun it's kind of like buying a, a beanie baby right, you know yeah. So well, well, my interest in it, and the reason I think I'm, I keep asking a question about it, is that if it's if it's enough momentum, you know, there's enough people. It, even if it's I don't know, dozens, hundreds, doesn't doesn't have to be like everybody. But if there's enough people who do it and play with it and care about it, it could show us how order books should work on Noster, and that's much bigger than you know just astral babes or just NFTs, like. That could be the way that like a future, I don't know, like a, you know, like a, like an Airbnb service needs somewhat of an order book or actually maybe even better would be like an Uber like service really needs something of an order book, you know, in the, in the far yes. future. I don't think we're like there next week, but yeah, but I definitely think there's something there. I'm just excited that, you know, people are coming on the Bitcoin and they're coming yeah. on the Noster and Lightning. Mm-hmm. Um also that we're getting to experiment with AI because yeah. that's um, one of the things we have is these custom, the babe chat. So yeah. now each, each astral babe has a Noster account, mm-hmm. which then you can chat. If you own the collectible, then you have this, you know, goddess guru yeah. in your pocket who will chat with you and give you guided meditations and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> um, so it's just been fun for, for us to play with the AI stuff. But I do think that bringing folks on to play with Noster, Bitcoin, Lightning, AI is exciting. Yep. Marketplace um, shows how to do marketplace. I think that I don't like, it's a good start for marketplaces and we'll see like, you know, maybe with like Rideshare or something like other apps that are beyond social media, if this can help provide stuff like that. Right. Um, I mean, I wonder, I guess maybe, maybe backing it off. I know I sort of went really far with it to like those, those like real world use cases I think are much tougher to handle, but like, what if you back it off and like you figure out order books around NFTs, but then you go a few steps ahead and figure out like, I don't know, like a new type of coin join or other new types of privacy tools that could be built if you get the order books right? Yes, I think so. That's interesting, yeah. There's something like coin swap or something, mm-hmm. which I think may use a similar mechanism. I don't totally know how. But that's a really good point. That Yeah, I think... Yeah, I don't see why there couldn't be like a Noster based coin join or I thought I saw a project that kind of intended or purported to do that, but I, I wasn't deep enough to actually research it and understand if it was working or not. But Yeah, I would I would need to think about that and there's definitely someone out there knows. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um so so a few days away from launch, you get this thing out, maybe you get some QA, you get some feedback, let's say, you know, it could, could either really work or not really work and maybe kind of keep iterating. But how do you think about the next like weeks, months, quarters of, of kind of work? So for me, I, I think that this, I mean, this, you know, 
there's a lot of a lot of experimentation, mm-hmm. and this is a sprint to kind of get something out, see if we can actually get some traction in this growing market, see if this market of stuff actually takes off, yep. and if we can provide some key infrastructure for that. Um, and if not, a couple months from now, things aren't going well, we can reassess and be like, okay, is it worth really spending much time on this, or should we go back, focus on the basics of the Lightning routing business, stuff like that. Um, there's actually just, even just, I mean, my background's in um, soft, like enterprise Bitcoin wallets. Mm-hmm. And so we actually have, a, we have a product in the works for fee optimization, mm. where it's just like a typical software as a service product for these exchanges all over the world where they do a high volume of withdrawals. And there's just a question of what fee rate do you pay? Mm-hmm. And now that the Bitcoin fees are starting to spike again, this is becoming a, a legitimate cost on their on their um, balance sheets. And so there's a, there's a right way to do fee estimation where mm-hmm. you don't guess, you actually like, you set a lower, as low a fee as possible and then you bump it up as necessary. And it just requires a little technique, a little software. And um, we actually have some software that can do this and we're just polishing it off and getting ready to kind of just see if this is another thing we're going to see if it catches on as like a SaaS product. Hmm. Um, and would you sell that to wallets or to exchanges? To like or? any like large exchanges or custodial wallets that do batched, big volume of batched sends. So mm-hmm. like ATMs and exchanges and stuff I like see. that. And basically what you you give them is you, they save money on their on-chain fees, helps the on-chain space, on-chain f- fees be mo- most efficient. And they can have better reliability on um, how quickly their transactions confirm. Right. Um, There's another thing we're going to see. We're, we're basically like seeing what's really going to stick. Yeah, yeah. We have a couple irons in the fire here. Yeah. And um, and what about this AI, this AI gen Nostra project we just uh, were jamming on? Is that, yeah. is that like just like. I'm down for what's it. The, what's the scope? Is that like a, a few days of hack project or a week or two? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say a couple of days maybe maybe a day or uh-huh. day a real one really good day nice. <laughs> of, uh, of hacking around we could get our little mvp out because i have some existing code around um yeah that's cool i want to play with it yeah i've got my stats loaded up i'm ready to all right so should we re- recap on uh what that project is i think what it is is it the ai suggests prompts mm-hmm. you zap the prompts Mm-hmm. If a zapped prompt reaches 110 sats, maybe we'll say 10 sats or whatever it is, mm-hmm. then it comes out and generates the image. And whoever zapped it gets paid. Yep. Okay. And, and maybe if it's hard to get good stuff out of an AI to generate the prompts, maybe you can crawl some initial prompts or mm-hmm. you know, a few of us, you could bless our accounts and I'll, I'll contribute a bunch of just creative prompting cool yeah i like that yeah i've got some cool ones just from i would ask chat gpt i said make me a image prompt that will blow my mind (laughs) (laughs) it came out with something imagine you're in a like cosmic forest of (laughs) glimmering lights with like (laughs) it just it was a whole paragraph of just different oh wow and it was pretty good it was pretty cool yeah that's awesome yeah so maybe we start with something like that, but cool. 
Well, uh, this has been fun. I'm glad we got a chance to hang out and chat about, I mean, geez, we covered a lot. We covered your whole background and in baseball and in cash app and BitGo and, and, uh, lightning work and it's DZ, right? Is the company. Yeah. It's our company. D E Z Y dot I O. And that's yep. everything. All these projects we talked about are all DZ projects. All this crazy stuff that is all over the place, but there is a higher plan at work. Yeah, that yeah. I don't really know what it is, but it's working. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Cool. Well, thanks for making the time to come out and hang. Thanks so much it's for having fun. me. No, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to be here. And yeah, thanks yeah. for thanks for the time. Cool.